Welcome back to the Red-Blooded Outdoors podcast. You got your host here, Cornbread. Sitting over in the corner, we got Mr. Coney. What's up, Coney? What it is. Not much. We got a buddy of ours here today. We're going to do some catching up with Mr. Philip Burkett. What's going on, Philip? Not much, Cornbread. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good. Mr. Phillips been working out. I ain't seen him in a while. He's standing down. What you been doing? Man, I started uh, back in August the 3rd of last year. So I'm almost nine months in it. I started doing a carnivore diet. Uh, January the 1st of this year, I was down 40 pounds. Carnivore kind of got uh, at a standstill. Wasn't losing any more weight. <clears throat> Still feeling good about myself. So I said, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Started doing a calorie restriction diet. Figured out what I needed to lose. Weighed a little slow. Was at 2,400 calories. So I put myself on that diet. <clears throat> lost down to uh, 250, or lost down 10 more pounds, total of 50 pounds. And then uh, going to the gym, and I started doing, uh, I got a couple buddies that actually, they, they work out. They eat the bodybuilder type meals and stuff like that. Right, so I got them right. to give me a meal plan. Started that two weeks ago. I'm down five more pounds. I'm down 55 pounds since August. Good deal. How you feeling? Oh, I feel great. Cooney, <clears throat> are you writing that down? <laughs> you taking notes, Cooney? Is that, that like trying to tell me I'm too big? Well, I, Is that what you're saying? You can't yeah. ever be too big, Cooney. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I think it depends on the type of big. Well, am I big is the question. You're pretty big, bud. Oh. You're a big old boy. So you ain't going to be working out? <clears throat> Not anytime soon. You can go to Bodyplex with me. I'll, I'll show you some moves. We'll put some muscle on you. We'll do it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, uh, how I met Mr. Philip Burkett is uh, we was policing. Philip come to uh, work at an agency I worked at. And, uh, Philip, you had quite more years of experience than I did. I think at the time... I was maybe four, three and a half, four years experience. How much experience did you come in? I came in with 13. So you, I mean, over <clears throat> triple of what I had. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, it was sort of a, a unique situation for those of y'all that don't know. Anytime you're a new police officer or you go to a <clears throat> different agency, you go through what they call... <clears throat> an FTO program, which is a field training officer program. And I was an FTO for that agency with, like I said, four. If it was over four, it wasn't much. Yeah. Years experience. <clears throat> and here comes Big Philip in there with triple my experience, but I was supposed to be his FTO. And uh, I thought about it from time to time how that would be, how you'd have to humble down to even take something from somebody with less experience than you. And I thought about it then, but once we talked to Philip about being on the podcast, I thought about it a little bit more. And as I thought about it, one thing resonated with me. Now, me and, I don't want to portray as me and Philip being real close buddies. We don't talk on a daily basis. No. Maybe... <clears throat> once a month see each other wave you know talk back and forth right would you say any more than that no that's about right you know it's one of those relationships where we call each other a friend right we right. don't talk to each other on a regular basis but 
you call me tomorrow and say, hey, buddy, I need this. Right. I'm there. And, and vice versa. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. Vice, vice versa. Well, as I thought about it, one <clears throat> thing come to mind, uh, and I still feel you're the same way in that position you was in with me being your FTO. I don't even remember how long it was. Three weeks? About three weeks. Yeah. In Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 4, 32 and be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgive you. And you always struck me as being tender-hearted, and and in looking at you, the especially during the FTO, and then later on after you got out, that you was very forgiving. I don't have anything to go on that other than that's how I perceived you. I never seen you get mad, upset, <clears throat> say anything spiteful to any other police officers, anybody on the street, and even in our short talks here and there, that's how I, that's how I still perceive Philip. Do do you feel that's your nature? Do do you feel did you do you feel that you intentionally keep yourself humble that way? I try to. Uh, I really do. I, I, I try to. Um, you know, I started out working in the jail. I worked my way up. I didn't know anybody. I've never had anything given to me. I've had to work work for it all. And uh, that right there, you have to humble yourself when you see others get things you feel like you should, but you keep working, you keep pushing. And when you actually move up a little bit, you don't forget where you come from. And so if you stay in that position or you move on like I did to another agency with where you were at, I didn't forget where I came from. And that helps a lot. And I, I'm one of those officers I truly believe you can learn from the ones above you. You can learn from the ones below you. And what I mean by that is somebody in a lesser position, somebody higher up, somebody with less time, somebody with more time. So like in your case, you had – less time than I did, but I learned how to find narcotics from you. I learned a lot of that from you, watching people, searching people, getting consent, because I was more of a, a DUI slash speeding ticket type guy. I was a school resource officer. I had some uh, you know, some experience on patrol. I had the jail experience, but I was never that, that drug guy. So when I knew that was your niche and that was something I wanted to learn, you know, I said, I'm going to learn something from him, and I focused on that one thing, was able to do it. Um, so regardless of who I'm training right now, I'm training a guy that has about two years' experience on me. And he's kind of in the same boat now, but he's the same way. He's humbled himself. He's, he's learning from me. I'm learning from him. And it's uh, if you do that, if you, if you tell yourself, hey, I can learn from anybody, no matter how much experience, um, don't forget where you come from. It, it's kind of easy if if you think about it that way. Right, right. Well, I know I learned a lot from you being that way, from from that being your attitude, and uh, you didn't have any motives. Cause you, I was Batman when I was police, and that's what I thought in my head, right? Yeah. And uh, seeing that helped me, helped yeah. me a lot. Kenny, what do you think about a humble attitude? I think it's good to have a humble attitude. Do you really? Yeah. You ain't got nothing to add to that. No, not really. Policing today, <laughs> Philip. 
versus police and when you first started. What year did you start? I started in 2001. This so is year 20. 20 years ago. What's the Now, other than the political mumbo-jumbo that's going on, mm-hmm. straight up, Philip gets up, goes to work every day. What's the difference? Well, going back to being humbled a little bit, honestly, every person I train, I probably even told you this riding with you, it's part of the golden rule, but I add a little something at the end. It's treat everybody the way you want to be treated until they give you a reason not to. Right, right. And I try to go into that with every person I make contact with. So my day starts off already is I'm going to have a good day. I woke up on this side of dirt. Good Lord bless me with another day. And uh, I carry that in. And so when I wake up and get ready to go to work, I say, it's going to be a good day until somebody gives me a reason to right. not have one. Right. You know, and... and I, I just I try to carry that mentality all day. It's going to be a good day, and unless somebody changes that, that's, you know? that's right. So, the working with good people, you know, I try to drown out a lot of the news. There's a lot of negativity in the news. Um, in the big cities, there's you see a lot going on, but here in Dallas, Paulding County, I tell you, um, I've never felt so loved and appreciated as a law enforcement officer. So getting up coming to work every day is really a great experience here in dallas right that's good man that's good there's a i'm gonna get on the rant a little bit and uh just a little one cooney and it ain't nothing about you did what you did today so don't get scared cooney he'll cringe up if i talk about a rant there is an (laughs) evil force out here in this world people that is trying to attack our police officers. I'm going to leave it at that. You can take it as you want it. You can agree, don't agree. But if you do not fight the evil, if you do not fight the evil, we will reap some really bad things, period. We love our first responders all over this country. That's how it is, period. I don't, I don't care what you think about any issue. I feel it in my bones. There's an evil attack coming from somewhere that that is causing all this mess. Um, so 20 years, 20 years. Any correlation, not to get too personal with you, on the money, because you know you hear first responders always talk <clears throat> about the money, the money, the money ain't there. Is it getting better? Uh, I guess it depends on where you work at. You know, I've heard that there are still some agencies in rural counties and cities in in Georgia that make a minimum wage. You know, when you come closer to the metro area, that's not the case. Uh, When I started in 2001, starting salary or wage was 11.44 where I was at. So I was topped out at that agency when I left, making almost 25 an hour. And it's, it's close back to that, you know, up here in this area. Not quite there. But now I look at the retirement package. I look at the benefits. I look at the total package as somebody that's got a family and wants to retire one day, you know. A lot of people just look at the hourly dollar wage. And so with me looking at the total package, I think the benefits I actually have now with the salary is better than what I had uh, starting out. And when I left a larger agency back in 2014 yeah i know those that especially that insurance package man if you can, <clears throat> those uh a lot of those municipalities have a 
an insurance package that's off the chain. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the amount you pay per week versus what you pay at any other job, it's 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 really good. Right, or seem seems to be really good. What is uh, where I'm at? What about training? Training is the training different? Is there more different types of available training? There, the, uh, it's training is probably doubled as far as the the types of training. Um, you know, laws have changed, tactics have changed. It's, and that's something that's always going to be changing with the world around us. We're going to have people focus just on that, and whether it's from the legal side, the the physical side, handcuffing, takedowns, building clearing, active shooter. Though it's always going to be evolving and, and changing. Uh, we definitely have more options today, I believe, than what we did. 20 years right, ago right well that that's how i met philip now now a little bit about philip the man philip is from alabama we ain't we ain't gonna hold that against you roll tide <laughs> but but we got to get a go dogs before you roll leave. tide <laughs> tell us a little bit about philip so yeah i'm from alabama atmore alabama down uh I don't know, about 40 minutes north of mobile so definitely down there in the about as far as you can go right right. um born and raised there i moved to georgia in 99 actually moved up with a football coach uh parents had gone through a divorce it was kind of tough on me he saw it saw i was kind of going down he wanted to keep me up keep me uh uh in school so i can graduate and um so he talked to my parents about it and uh i agreed to it they all agreed he brought me to noonan and uh uh, he was assistant football coach at Nuna High School. So I went there, played football my senior year, graduated, was the first member of my family to graduate from high school. And uh, I met a girl and uh, ended up staying in Noonan, getting married, and stuck around. And I'm still here we are 21 years later and still in Georgia. Shoot, yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, you're in Georgia, so you you ahead of – where you started out in uh, Alabama. <laughs> well, you know, I still call Alabama God's country uh, for a reason, so go. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm ahead in Georgia because my retirement goals go back to Alabama. So. There you go. Now, we, we're just knocking on Alabama. We got to that, you know, that that football just makes us do Can't it. Can't beat us. Make, makes, makes, uh, makes us do it. Cooney, what do you think about Alabama? I ain't real big on the sports side of it, but. Alabama, I mean, what's so special about Alabama? God's you know I mean? country. <laughs> when you got in the great state of Georgia, I mean. I haven't seen anything great about it. Peaches. Sinus infections and methamphetamine. We, we are the Speaking of methamphetamine, what, uh, on, the, on the drug side of the policing, mm-hmm. uh, that was one thing that, that really hit me hard, being from around here. Right. And becoming a police officer here was was eye-opening mm-hmm. uh, the drug issue and the, and the age that people get started now i've been out of policing right at four years uh is there any difference now than there was four years ago i mean what the only difference now i think is uh the heroin made a comeback and you got uh fentanyl involved a lot more now than than what you did uh, methamphetamine, I say, is still about the same. Right. Everything else, of course, you know, they got the 
the hemp that's legal now, if it's got 0.03% THC or less, it's it's legal, which is, I mean, I call it marijuana. It smells like marijuana. It looks like marijuana. To me, it's, it's all just marijuana. Right, right. Uh, of course, that's that's been legal now. I never thought I'd I'd see that day, and, right. and here it is. So right. um, as far as the meth goes, it's, man, it's just, it's still out there. It's bad stuff, and uh, I, I don't know we'll ever, ever see that stuff leave us. Talking about the community, which I know how it was with all the political stuff that's going on, <clears throat> I never got or felt any of that from the citizens of Dallas or Paulding County. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you see on the news, people all the time buying you supper, coming up to you, telling you thank you. It's just... Uh, it's day and night, it seems. It seems, though it's not, because you got, you're got you wearing the badge and you see it on TV. Mm-hmm. But working in a community like this, it just seems so far away. It does. It, it really it, does. I mean, speak on that. Does I mean, does it seem so far away from, which we know what happened in Atlanta. And we, I, I, you know, don't, let's not get off on a political rant. But Atlanta's only, what, 40 miles from here. Yeah. But it still seems so far away. It's so close yet so far away. Yeah. Speak a little bit on the community, man. Uh, like I said earlier, the, the community here is, is amazing. It's been my favorite place to work by far. Um, I've, I've put several posts on Facebook where people have bought my lunch. I've just thanked them, you know, the anonymous people. Uh, I, got, I actually got one person stored in my phone, Hispanic female. Her name is Doris Rodriguez. Won't ever forget her sitting in the subway uh, one day in line to order. <clears throat> she was in front of me, and uh, she asked the uh, the people, she said, I want to pay for their food. What are they having? I didn't hear her talking. And then uh, as she was starting to walk out the door, we were at that point we were at the register, and they said, your meal's been paid for. I said, that nobody's in front of us. What are you talking about? They said, the lady right there. I said, well, okay. I said, Miss Doris, or you know, the lady walking out the door, right, and right. I was like, "Yeah." Not so. I flagged her down. I wanted to personally thank her because this was during all the COVID stuff, and uh, so I, I flagged her down, stopped her, and I told her who I was. I was shift supervisor, and I thanked her for taking care of our shift because she didn't just buy my meal; she bought the whole shift the meal. Right, right. And uh, I was just blown away, and uh, I. Uh, Asked her if we could have a picture with her. I wanted to put it on Facebook and thank her. And she was a little hesitant, but she was like, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, she was like, you know, I just, I'm not trying to be recognized. I said, well, I, I understand. I appreciate you doing out of the goodness of your heart, but I want to thank you. I want people to see it's not just, you know, one one particular race taking care of me. It's multiple races. You know, I've right, had right. somebody from all race buy my lunch and dinner. So when I see that in Paulding County, because you, you hear, oh, Paulding County is this, Paulding County is Oh, we're loved by every race in Paulding County. Right, right. And uh, so I wanted to show that, that hey, she's she's buying our meal, you know. And uh, so I gave her my phone number, asked her to uh, text a picture to me. Because we took her family member took it on her phone. And she did, and we've been in contact ever since. And uh, I can't tell you probably four or five times she's texted her. I've texted her just, hey, thinking about you, thanks again for lunch. Or she'll say praying for you and your shift this that and other i get that support every day uh jones restaurant in dallas almost every time or not every time but uh probably 
twice a week somebody buys my meal in Jones Restaurant, Subway in Dallas. Every other time I go to Subway, someone buys my meal. Waffle House in Dallas, Chick-fil-A in Dallas, La Casina. If I go, there's a good chance. Right, you know, right. 50-50 chance that somebody's going to pay for my meal. Right. Don't know who they are most of the time, but you know, I try to recognize it on social media just saying thank you to whoever did it uh, because I'm very appreciative and I feel that love and support. I get people tell me all the time, hey, praying for you, man. Right. That means the world. They tell me they're praying for me, and they sincerely mean it because not anybody just come up and tell you, hey, I'm praying for you. When they do, uh, that's golden, man. Love right. it. Good deal. That uh, well, let let me let me thank you for for you doing what you do, man. Um, I I have a high regard for police officers, and, and of course, my opinion's a little biased from being one <laughs> myself. But uh, thank you. I you're mean, welcome, you're brother. right here in the community. All the police officers in our community, the sheriff's office, and Hiram, and all those good people. But all over the entire country, thank each and every one of y'all. The uh, Y'all, all good Americans in my book. You know what I mean. Every, I appreciate every, every one of you. Absolutely. Pass that along to the to the guys if you don't mind. Sure will. Well, on to the outdoors <clears throat> part, Coney. This is an outdoor podcast. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm on it. Have you done anything outdoors this week other than walk to your truck? No. Well, why not? Been working. Been working. School, going to school. Working and going to school. Hmm. About all I've been doing is working. I think I'm gonna try to turkey hunt tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening. It's supposed to rain Saturday. Yeah. So. Slight chance of rain though. Not yeah. enough to keep you from getting yeah. outside. Unless thought, it's changed. I don't know. It was on like twenty five percent. I checked it earlier, it said ninety eight percent. Oh wow, it's done going up big time. Yeah. If it's a ninety eight percent chance of drizzling rain, I'm good with that. I'll hunt in that. Yeah, as long as there ain't no lightning. Yeah, as long as there ain't no it's lightning. <clears throat> well, Cooney ain't Cooney ain't been hitting the lick of the snake at all. He he ain't hardly been hunting. Three weekends in a row. No, you did go last Saturday. Yeah. You went turkey yeah. hunting last Saturday. You've went one day in the last three weeks. Yep. He's slacking. That is ridiculous. My goodness. God, I'm a busy man. He has been working a lot, and his truck broke down, and we had to work on his truck Sunday. Sounds like excuses to me. Yeah. I'd take Pop's truck while he's working on yours and well, go Pop, kill a bird. Pop's was the one that tore my truck up. But, uh, you know. but, no, I was driving it, but it, it, it had been coming for a while. He didn't let me know the wheel bearing went out mm. on it. The wheel nah. bearings just don't go out yeah. all of a sudden. You hear it over time. Yeah. You hear well, something. Believe that. Well, uh, Mr. Phillip does some fishing. A good bit of fishing, right? I try to as much as I can. That's my getaway, you know. We're talking about law enforcement. Even though it's a great community where I serve at, you know, it can get get stressful at times. And um, I have two escapes. Everybody needs an escape no matter what job you do. And uh, my escapes are going to the gym and fishing. love to fish, man. That's something that as a child, my granddaddy took me, my daddy took me. Uh, we had catfish ponds. We had uh, the pay ponds we'd go to. Had a couple of creeks through our local city fishing, and we'd uh, go swimming and take our uh, cane poles or little Zepcos, and we'd go just walk the creek. And yeah. we'd fish around the trees and little eddies and catch a brim. And, um, and when I got a little bit older, got a girlfriend, and 
her daddy was a big time hunter and fisherman and he had three daughters so i was a son he never had and from that point forward i he kind of took me in and killed my first deer with him caught my first crappy and probably my first catfish with him well not my first catfish but definitely my first crappy probably i know my first mullet and maybe uh i don't know what other first fish i've caught with him but and that desire i had then uh, just kind of went away for a little while just playing i played softball a lot and then um as i've gotten a little bit older now i kind of miss my childhood in some ways and one of those was fishing and just kind of got back to it here in the last couple of years right you was uh you did have some squirrel dogs there for a while i did i had some squirrel dogs uh <clears throat> my oldest son he wanted to get out and do some squirrel hunting we'd walk uh the woods a little bit and see a couple squirrels and they take off before you can even get to them and they hide and can't find them and you look over the trees with binoculars and they done made a hole or you know get away from you so it's like we're gonna do this right we're gonna get us a couple dogs so i started out with one and he was kind of young and uh, so i spent a little money and got one a little bit more experienced and we went and started killing some squirrels but, you know not having a lot of places to go and uh the places we did have to go were very mountainous so to speak and right, right. Bo- boy got tired of going those hills and you wake him up to go squirrel hunting and next thing you know oh daddy i don't want to go today and so yeah. he's like i want to fish and so got tired of oh i don't want to go anymore i was going by myself and uh so i was like well if he wants to fish and we can do that together i'm gonna get rid of the dogs and we're gonna get a boat so there you go. There you we go. went from squirrel hunting a couple seasons to now we fishing what what kind of boat you got bought a uh 2019 crest liner vt17 so uh 75 horse mercury on it right right what uh what time of year y'all usually fire you fishing up well the crappy we do uh definitely do best from around november to april and then the catfish turns on in april once we put up the crappy gear right right and uh we'll do uh april may in some of april may june we do catfish and then the catfish will start spawning a little bit and they will they'll lock down and not eat much in july and then august sometimes it's just too hot august september is too hot i just try not to fish much then and right pick it back up in september a little bit just talking about them pay catfish ponds man Mm -hmm. i remember when i was a kid them them things were dime a dozen everywhere Mm -hmm. there was a, a paid catfish pond everywhere and uh i don't even know where one's at now you know where one's at i've seen some on facebook i don't know where they're at um as a uh conservative fisherman now i just i don't support the the pay lakes right there you got some decent ones out there that that actually have all their fish brought in and they raise them and then you actually go catch some good fish but a lot of these pay lakes they have what they call their trophy lakes and in those trophy lakes they pay commercial fishermen to go out and catch these 40 50 60 pound flathead blue cats and put them in their their ponds and then you take their lifespan away those those are your big time spawning fish that help reproduce the population and when they take those out their lifespan goes from they may live 20 30 more years to only living a year or two and they're killing those big fish and so i just i don't agree with those small that's interesting i never thought about it like that you honey Mm -mm. like i said them places used to be everywhere Mm -hmm. when i was a kid 
I mean, every cow pasture had a paid catfish yep. pond in it, and which we had a when we uh was messing with some cows, we had a uh, pond in there, and it seemed like we'd get fired up in May. Yeah. After turkey season. Yeah. We'd go out there at night and just wear them mm-hmm. out, fish all night and just wear them. That's probably about a maybe a two acre pond, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And we'd we'd wear them out. At yeah, night. that that was fun. I like yeah. doing that. But that, no, I, that's that's interesting. I'm glad you said that. I'd never thought uh, about them doing that. You know, you always think, man, this catfish has been in here for forty years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. That, never thought those of fish it. aren't gonna live forty years <laughs> in those ponds. Right. You gotta think you're taking them out of a big river, fresh flowing water and right. unlimited bait and stuff, and now you're putting them in a small confined area with no fresh running water most of the time or very little creek or spring water they're getting fed pellets and whatever other junk they throw in the water right. and then they're feeding on some of the the smaller fish that are in there and you, you're just you're killing them hmm that's interesting man and you can, there's a lot of organizations out there that are against pay lakes a lot of a lot of your uh your tournament fishermen they're against the pay lakes and right. the commercial fishermen uh for that reason and then you know you go over in alabama alabama and i believe tennessee they have rules in place where you can uh you can only keep one fish over 34 inches anything under 34 you know you can you can keep they're they're actually trying to grow the big fish and and keep them keep them going georgia has no laws in place you can catch unlimited catfish pretty much catch any size limit you can go you go to a river catch 30 34 inch catfish and keep every one of them right georgia just georgia only cares about the bass fishing it seems like right look at it now trying to say alabama got bigger catfish than georgia too there's there's no denying it i mean alabama uh, georgia down south georgia the uh new record i think this year was uh they caught in a chattahoochee i don't remember the exact weight but i want to say it was 101 pounds or something like that hmm. which uh is a is a great fish for georgia when the the previous record was 94 pounds it was i believe it was 94 but the blue cat and the, and the flathead they were both in the 90s over in Alabama, on the other hand, you go look at that in the Tennessee River, and you got them in the 120s. So it's it's a big difference. Yeah, that's a big yeah. that's a big difference. That well, that 94 was that the Altamaha River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Altamaha, Altamaha or whatever it's called. Right. I've never fished down there, but but the new record that was set was in the if I remember correctly, it was the Chattahoochee River. It right. was several months ago. But okay. Hmm. Interesting. So right now you crappy fishing. Right now it's crappy fish. It in getting ready to end. Getting ready to end. How's that been going? Been where you, great. Where you been fishing at? Lake Alatoona, West Point Lake, and occasionally I go over to Weiss. Right, right. In Alabama. So what uh, what's Alatoona been looking at? The the Dead Sea, so to speak. Well, you know, we try to keep Alatoona a secret. <laughs> Alatoona is known for the Dead Sea, and uh, you know, it's funny. I I went over there when I first got my boat. Well, let me back up a little bit. Before I had my boat, I had a kayak. Now, I sold my kayak, moved up to a John boat. While I was fishing out a kayak in a John boat, I go out there bass fishing. I'm one of those guys, when it comes to bass fishing, I don't know what I'm doing. I seriously right, don't. Right. I just get a crankbait or I'll get a spinnerbait, something like that. I'll beat the banks with it. If I see some blowdowns and stuff, I'll throw a swimbait around it or 
I'll throw a rubber worm, Texas rig or Carolina rig on a point or something, but never had much luck bass fishing. And I called Alatoona the Dead Sea. And I did it for a couple of years. And uh, I started catfishing with a guy over in Silver Creek, Georgia, just south of Rome. His name is David Riles. Met him on Facebook. Uh, and me and David went a couple times on the uh, Coosa River, put in at Brushy Branch over on just up uh north part of weiss lake i guess because it's in georgia it's not considered weiss lake but the river is just a few mile boat ride in, right, in the weiss right. and uh that one night uh i caught i had two takedowns at same i was reeling one in had another takedown i caught two flatheads i don't remember the exact weights now it was like 12 and 15 pounds good size and my adrenaline got going that night. It's kind of like running lights and sirens to a hot call. Kind right, of. I mean, my right. adrenaline was pumped up. And ever since that night, I've been hooked on the catfishing. And uh, I, since going with David, we went several more times. And then uh, last spring, I think it was April the 26th, so we we're almost time. Me and David went to North Alabama up in Stevenson, put in, went up a little ways. I caught a 46.6 pound catfish. So that's my my personal biggest fish. Is that a river, Stevenson River? It's a, in the Tennessee River. Okay. The Tennessee River. Okay. Uh, so we went up there, fished that that day, and Dave and I had just had one of those magical days where everything just went right. Uh, we probably caught I don't know 15, 20 fish that day, and half of them were 20 pounds. You know, right. they were. It was a great day. Right. Um, I, I, I like doing my cat fishing on Tennessee River because of the, they, it just it's loaded with big cats. Right. Uh, right. And then uh, the Coosa River is my next favorite. Neely Henry, I, I taken my mom over there a couple times, and she's caught her personal best over there, twenty pounds. So just having that memory with my mom. Right. Uh, I like camping over there too in Gaston, so I, I get on the Coosa as much as I can. It's the closest. Uh, and then going back to crappy fishing, Alatoona. Alatoona is a, a good fishery for. It's really known for the stripers. I don't striper fish because it's just a it's a headache trying to keep shad alive and taking up space on your boat with a uh, a bait tank. I just not my thing. So but the Coos is known for the stripers too, ain't it? I, I think so. I don't. Yeah. I can't say a hundred percent, but you know the Etowah feeds into Lake Alatoona, and then uh, south of Lake Alatoona, the Etowah and the Ustanala they merge up around Rome and they right. form the Coosa. Right, right. So uh, with the stripers in Alatoon, the way that they are on the Etowah, they have to be in the Coosa the same way. But I've right. never fished it or seen the guys really fishing over there for right. it. Sp- speaking how you were speaking on conservation, have you seen any of those sturgeon in Coosa? I've not personally seen one or I nor have I caught one, but right. a couple of guys that I'm Facebook friends with, I've seen where they've posted and they've actually caught them in the Coosa. You, you know where the, uh, what is it, the river, yes, the river where we went duck hunting, the river road boat ramp. River road yeah. boat ramp, yeah. We uh, was bank fishing right there for catfish. I don't even think Cooney was born yet, so it was probably, no, nah, Cooney was a little boy, but he wasn't there. Probably... 12 years ago i guess mm-hmm. and uh we was bank fishing for catfish you know where the boat ramp is to the left so the highway side mm-hmm. and they was one come by i swear that thing was six foot long yeah 
one of those big old sturges. Yep. First one I did. I just didn't know if you'd ever seen one. They uh, they they really look at her them sturgeon on, mm-hmm. the, on the coop. Yeah, they're river. protected species. If you catch right. one, you you can take a picture of it. You can get measurements real quick, and you got to release it immediately and contact DNR. Yeah, them th- and they 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 look like a dinosaur to me. Oh yeah, they're prehistoric. I ain't yeah. never seen one. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen a picture of one. But what? I, I ain't going to say you just uh, ride up out there and see them. Yeah. He's fished out there a lot, but I did see one out there. And that, there's signs up and down the coast. Yeah, talking. every boat launch has a sign talking yeah, about, talking about what it. to do if you catch one and to release it immediately. Right. Well, on your catfishing, you know, that's getting forward up. Back to the crappy fishing. You said it's been good. Talked a little bit about Altoona. You said what, West Point? Altoona and West Point are my two Georgia lakes. And then uh, I'll go over to Lake Weiss a little bit, right. Alabama. I do usually do most of my crappy fishing in Georgia. I do my my catfish in Alabama and Tennessee. Right. What uh, what kind of <clears throat> gear you been using for your crappy? Uh, for crappy fishing, I have eight rods that go out the back, and I have uh, four different brands. Actually, I have a two seven foot rods, two nine foot rods, two ten foot rods, and two twelve foot rods. Um. All those rods are loaded with six-pound test line string, usually Mr. Crappy. Sometimes I'll use the uh, Offshore Angler from Cabela's. Those are my two favorite uh, lines to use. Also, they're the cheapest. I even a little bit of money. But when it comes down to my bait of choice, I use the Red Rooster Custom Jigs made by Robbie DeHaas here in Dallas, Georgia. Robbie, uh, I don't know where he gets his plastic from or what he does, but the the jigs that he makes are just unbelievable. They're tough. You can catch ten, fifteen fish sometimes on one jig. They don't they don't tear real easy. And the movement they got there, there's no other bait that's shaped like them on the market. The colors he comes up with the craziest colors you can imagine, and they just they simply catch fish. You know, I, I talk about having eight rods out the back. Um, I've tried the Bobby Garlands. I've tried the. Um, uh charlie brewer sliders which those are real good lures don't get me wrong not knocking them whatsoever but i'll put robbie's jigs on four rods those other ones on four rods mix them up i catch more crappy on robbie's jigs than any other jig i had another buddy that actually makes it i won't i won't knock his lures because i really do catch fish with them caught fish with them with him and well i put his and his are made in georgia and texas um and he wanted me to try his for trolling because he's more of a dock shooting guy, jig fishing, uh, underwater brush piles and stuff. I'm more of a trolling guy. Right. So I tried his head to head. And, I mean, I caught six to one on the Red Rooster jigs. Just, I, don't, I don't know what it is about it. can't explain it. It's just one of those things. Right. Uh, you put those on and you troll. If there's fish there, you're going to catch them. Right. Um, I got with Robbie – last november 2019 is when i met up with him i was fishing in alatoona had my new boat had it a few months was going out trolling man i I catch one fish here one fish there i met up with him he told me to try some more areas and uh he i told him i said i don't want you to tell me your honey holes just tell me an area to 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 look for because i had a small depth finder you know i'm still trying to figure out the whole boat ownership boat you go out find your own fish this that and other so tell me some more areas to focus on i'll go out i'll look for fish when i see fish i'll start fishing i said if you if you'll just point me in the right direction 
I'll buy your baits. I'll start using them. And uh, I'll report back to you how I'm doing. And I said, I, I won't tell anybody where you sent me. I, I won't, you know, I'll, I'll keep it secret because you tell somebody where you fish in exact spot, you know, right. they're going to go and wear it out. And uh, so Robbie trusted me with some information, gave it to me. I went out. Sure enough, I started trolling. Saw fish on my depth finder. So I circled back around, tied his lures on, throw them out, putting fish in the boat. One after another. I mean, um, and what really got me fired up on crappy fishing, uh, I was fishing only his jigs one day, and I had six rods out the back that day. I think two of them I got tangled up, and I just wasn't going to retime. So I was trolling six rods out the back, and five of them go down at one time. I had five fish on. Really? And that got my what'd blood you, pumping just like catching that 46 pound. Was you by yourself? I was by myself. But I got, I got the fish on video. I didn't have my GoPro at that time, but I reeled it one in, one at a time, had them in the floor. And you can still see it hooking in their mouth, fish laying in the floor, and I recorded. Just got five at one time. And from that day forward, I've been hooked on crappy fishing. Well, let's go. Let's go back to that right there. All right, Cooney's got a boat. Uh huh. Cooney don't know how to fish unless I tell him how to fish. Okay. All right. Every fish Cooney has ever caught has been because of me. Yeah. All right. Cooney's about to be eighteen. And can't catch a fish. Okay. Eighteen <laughs> can't catch a fish. <laughs> So let's say Cooney goes buys him a boat. Yeah. That's big enough to pull with that little baby truck he's got. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. And he, he gets him a he gets him a rod. He gets him some uh what kind of jigs was those again? Red Rooster Custom Jigs. Red Rooster Custom Jigs. His poles lined up. He's gonna shoot out. Tell that boy what you would do, not where to go. Mm-hmm. Not where to go. Tell him how, how he should learn how to crappy fish right off the boat ramp. Okay. What would you do? All right. Uh, if you've never done it before, and just to kind of get an idea of, of what you're doing, if you don't grasp it by me telling you, seriously, there's a guy named Jeff Albright. They call him the crappy man. He's a crappy guy on Lake Alatoona. He's, an, he's inexpensive for what you get. Great guy. I've actually become friends with him. I highly recommend him. And uh, go out one day with Jeff, with Crappy Man, and see what he's doing. All right? If you can't do that and you actually understand what I'm saying when I talk about the crappy fishing and the trolling, you don't need to. You just go find the fish. If the fish are there and you troll at the right speed and everything right depth, you're going to catch fish, period, with those red roosters. But... The key to the crappy fishing, the way that I do it, you know, every every jig head has a different weight on it. You got to troll at a certain speed to get that jig in the depth range, you know. So if you're going to, say you got a 1 16th ounce jig, which is what I troll with 99% of the time, and you're trolling at, let's say, one mile per hour, and that jig's going to pull behind you at about four foot deep, say. So if you need that jig to go deeper, you slow down, right? You need it to come higher in the water column, you speed up. Well, you get too fast, from what I've found, everybody's different, so I'm going to disagree, but you get too fast, crappy stop biting. you got to slow it down and figure out what they want, so you go up and down. So what I've found from my experience and also learning from Crappy Man, from Robbie DeHaas, 
uh, from Stuart Wright, the crappy, uh, crappy king on Alatoona. From what I've learned from these guys, six-pound test, as I mentioned earlier, got to be six-pound test. It's the way that the diameter of it, how it pulls through the water, it's, to, it's just the right uh, line diameter. So six-pound test, it don't matter what reel. You can get the cheapest reel you can find. You get the cheapest rods. They don't have to be 12-foot rods. They don't have to be 6-foot rods. 6-pound test is a key. Put it on any rod and reel combo you got. You want a light tip. You got a hard tip. Crappy comes up and, and bites. You know, it's a lot of times you may rip their mouth. They call them, one of their nicknames is paper mouth. They got a real soft mouth. So get you a limber rod. Don't get an extra heavy or heavy. Get you a, a lightweight rod um, on all of them. And I recommend trolling multiple rods. Don't just throw one out. Am I saying you can't catch it with one? No, because I've thrown one reel out, one rod out. I'm getting ready to throw another one out if I got in a bite and I had to stop and reel it in. You can catch them with one if that's all you got. If that's all you got, go fishing with one rod. Um, but the key is once you got six pound line on, one sixteenth, one sixteenth ounce jig. And some people tie two. 132nd ounce jig thinking it's the same well it's not because that 132nd that first one's going to go down so far and then the second one you think it's going to pull down and be a little bit lower going but it actually rises up in the water so that second jig is actually going to be higher than what you want it to be but sometimes that's a good idea if you're searching for fish but if you know where they're at you know what depth they are 116th and what i do when you cast out start from the inside like i said i got eight rods going across the back Start at the inside by closest to your motor and do one side at a time. That's what that, that's how I do it. So I'll throw my seven foot rod out, and the key is throwing it anywhere from about 40 to 50 feet. And at 40 to 50 feet, it's going to let it pull about seven foot deep at 0.7, not seven miles per hour, but 0.7 to 0.8 miles per hour. To me, that's the key speed for crappy fishing. You keep it 0.7 to 0.8. You're going to keep that jig in the right depth for the crappie. Um, again, if you need to go a little deeper, just slow down some. If you need to go a little shallower, speed up. But 1 16th ounce crappie jig, cast your line out 40 to 50 feet, and it's just an easy cast off the back of the boat. You're not chunking it, just, just a nice easy cast. When it hits the water, just take the slack out, put it in your rod holder, go to the next one. And uh, once you know where the crap you're at, just troll through them and they're going to hit. It, it's really that simple, uh, crappy fish. The hardest thing is to find them. It really right. is. It, I didn't see you writing none of that down. Stored in my brain. Are you sure? I now feel like I could catch crappy so, without you. Without me? Yeah. You don't have a boat? I don't need a boat. I'll walk at point seven Every, miles. Everything he just told you was from the boat. Well, I got to get a boat. <clears throat> and crappy don't care about what the color is i use high vis line that way i can see it moving in the water because sometimes they'll hit it and swim with it and you'll just see the line go sideways or something they won't pull straight down and bend the rod they'll just go sideways and right. you'll see your line moving i, I think altoona just the other day a new black crappy record a new black crappy record it was 3.2 pounds caught by a guy named ralph evans <laughs> what's funny about the, this new record is uh Back in 2013, I was in a hunting club uh, in Merriweather County called Devil's Backbone Hunting Club. And I shared a uh, hunting cabin. You had to pay a little fee to be in the cabin. Well, two people in that cabin were found in the 
actually the people who built it were founding members of the club and a guy named George we, uh, and then a guy named uh, Evans. So when I saw that article, I was like, man, I was in a hunting club with this guy. I'm pretty sure, you know, but he, he changed a little bit over the years from seeing his picture. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is him. So I sent him a message on Facebook. I said, hey, buddy, were you in Devil's Backbone Hunting Club? He said, since day one. I said, I thought I recognized you. So it was kind of cool to see somebody I knew right. actually set that but, record. Did, did they still got that hunting club? No, the DNR, it's, it's, it uh, butts up to the Sproul Bluff WMA. Uh-huh. It was over 5,000 acres. Right. And uh, the land was a bunch of timberland. And DNR bought several acres, several thousands of the of the acres a couple of years ago, so it kind of broke up. Okay, well, good deal. So you, now the the on Altoona, do they usually the crappie usually spawn around early April, don't they? They usually start spawning in March, April, when that temp that water temperature stays up 60, 61, 62 right. degrees. When it gets in that, they'll start spawning. Right. So. November to December, just depending on the water temperature. So in 2019, those crappie came up in November. I was catching crappie trolling, just like I told you, at mid-November 2019. Really? This year, oh yeah, this year uh, the water was a little bit different. The temperatures have been a little bit different. Last year we had a lot of rain and the flood, and this year it wasn't so bad during that time. This year, the crappy didn't start coming up for me until end of January-ish. Now, I was still catching some when, I, when I'd go out, but the numbers that I caught right. last year, I didn't catch them as early as I did this year. What What about the number of folks that's uh, on, the, on the water with COVID, like like where we hunt public land off the chain? Yeah. With the number of folks, you know? I haven't really noticed the difference in the numbers um, fishing. I like to camp. My wife and I have a camper, and we go take the kids. And I've seen a lot of people camping that you know usually are not camping, but fishing, I haven't seen an increase. Now I know pleasure boating is a different story, but actual fishing, I personally, I haven't been able to tell a difference. Right, right. All right. So you good on the crappy fishing? Yeah. Are you sure? Yep. You got all that in. Mm-hmm. He about to talk about catfishing. So. Six pound test, lightweight rod, one sixteenth ounce jig head, and a round head. I prefer a round head. I do have some minnow heads. A minnow head, just the way it's shaped, it will dive a little bit deeper. Get you a round head. Um, some people prefer colored jig heads. I personally have found I catch more fish on orange or pink jig heads or unpainted. I do throw some chartreuse from time to time, but those four colors, pink, orange chartreuse or unpainted those what i i do the best with i've tried black i've tried red i've tried purple you name it i've tried it i, I just don't see the numbers on those right. uh, but you got some people say i'll throw only unpainted or i'll throw only black or hey if you got confidence and it works for you or if that's all you have throw it it beats not fishing that's the way i see it so one sixteenth ounce six pound test lightweight rod Red Rooster Custom Jigs. Uh, and then the uh, the jig heads I use right now, I have lightweight. Uh, they're called light wire hooks. I order them off of Facebook. Uh, a guy named Curtis Hobbs, he's in South Georgia. He makes them, sells them. He's an older gentleman. That's what he does for some extra income. Uh, so I buy, I, I bought my last few hooks from him. 
Now, Robbie does uh, with Red, Red Rooster Custom Baits. He makes jig heads too. But when I and I have bought some from him, and they're good, and I'll buy more from him. But the I bought some from Mr. Hobbs just when I was trying out. I wanted to, to give money to some, you know, I want to try people in Georgia. I want to give some local guys a chance. Stuff that's made here. Go dogs. Locally. Roll Tide. And uh, <laughs> give them some chance. So that's how I found Mr. Hobbs on Facebook, and his hooks have been, been pretty good well, for me. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Talk how important it is for you to support your mom and pops. Well, you know, these guys, they do it because they love the sport. They're trying to make a better product for you and me. They're wanting to get the best product they can out here. They're wanting to they're, – they're wanting you to enjoy the sport that they love. That's why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, it makes them a little extra money, but they're doing it because they love it. They're not out here making jigs that don't work and sell them. They're using their own products, and that's what – I like about it. They're they're using their own products and selling it. And if it don't work for them, they're not going to waste money continue making it. They're going to go right, find right. something else. And so with the mom and pops like that, you can you can pretty much kind of custom customize your order, custom what you want. You, you know, when you find them here locally, like Robbie, I go to Robbie's house, go in his basement. He's got walls of baits. I pick what I want. I pay him. And we're going about our business. Well, we, we sit and ch- chat fishing, you know, right. of course, but it's it's personal. Right. You right. know, um, I can't go to Cabela's and say, hey, will you make this, this, and this for me? And, uh, you know, but don't do that one this way. Do it this way. You can't do that. I can right. go to Robbie and say, hey, Robbie, take that body right there, shoot this tail on it, and let's see what that looks like. He'll do it. Right, you know, if right. he's not backed up on it, he'll do it. Or if you you can send him a picture, say, hey, Robbie, make these two baits, cross them up. You know, if if he can do it, he will. He's, But honestly, you don't have to go to him and do that because the baits he has, the ones he's already come up with, the ones that he has, they catch fish. You don't right, have to customize right. anything because he's got, I don't know how many color choices he has. I'm going to say probably 60 or 70. And I've not had one yet that don't catch fish. Of course, there's some that do better than others, but I've not had one yet that don't catch fish. Right. I mean, that's just an added value to to your hobby mm-hmm. is gaining that fellowship, that friendship, yep. and being more involved in it. That's just, I mean, that's just an added value. Right. You Cat. can't get that at the big box stores. No, you ain't going to get that at Cabela's. Sure. Mm-hmm. They, they some good people that work at Cabela's, but Cabela's as the company, right? You, you ain't gonna get that. Nope, nowhere. Cooney, are you ready for some catfishing? Yeah. Now I've seen Cooney catch some catfish. I have seen him catch some catfish. Those pond fish don't count, Cooney. Whoa, he coming at you oh, raw. Don't hate now. <laughs> Those pond fish don't count, baby. What we what we doing? We're going after flats, blues, channels. What what's Philip going at her when he goes at her catfish? Well. I'm going after the bite. You know, I can say I'm going after this or I'm going after that, but you can't guarantee what's going to hit that hook. Right, right. You know, I'm going after a fish, and I may go after a fish and catch a turtle, which I've done a few times, or I may go after a catfish and catch a gar. I'm going after a fish. I'm going after to see that rod bend over and have something big on the opposite side. If it's a flathead, if it's a blue cat, if it's a channel cat, it don't matter to me. Uh, 
ideally I like the flatheads just the way they are it's just to me it's a pretty fish right uh, everyone I've caught look different I've caught some blues you know they look the same oh that's a blue cat uh, you know catch a channel cat oh they all look the same blah blah blah, blah. Well, you catch a flathead to me that's exciting right you pull it out whether it's five pounder or, like I said my 46 six those flatheads are just unique they got spots on them some are dark some are light you know some are yellow looking some are brown looking it they're just they're, they're a unique creature and, and that's what right. i like about them let's let's talk about some of your gear you use them well first let's let's break it down like you did your crappy fishing okay you said the tennessee i love river. tennessee river the tennessee river i went up there one time duck hunting and uh which i've been up I, well, I went to Lake Gunnersville mm-hmm. duck hunting, and I'm not too familiar with that area, so I don't want people to think I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. No, Lake Gunnersville the, is the most northern lake on on the Tennessee River in Alabama. Right. Once you pass Lake Gunnersville, you go into into Tennessee. Well, we we come around the bend, and there was wind coming out of that valley, and you could see the the river channel, and the the water of that river looked ominous i mean it was white captain mm-hmm. and i said no no we are not getting on that and he was like well we, we ain't got long before this lake gets like that from that river mm-hmm. you, you ever experienced any of that not that bad right i've had some some white caps out there but nothing that it was bad enough to say i'm not doing that right it it's in a valley mm-hmm. the tennessee valley yep. and all that is that correct me if i'm wrong is that all like you know altoona's the army corps of engineers mm-hmm. is that the tva tva tennessee valley authority yep. is, is over and gunnersville it's my understanding yes okay all right that uh that i just remember that that was stuck out in my head we was duck hunting we was going to a different spot and a buddy of mine said we're gonna get on the river here and i, I said no i'm not getting on the river there i had a buddy that uh was bass fishing and they tore a bullet up mm-hmm. trying to get back to the boat ramp well last year or the year before the bama blues tournament over on wheeler i believe it was wheeler lake it's a big catfish tournament uh they had either two or three boats capsized it got real bad like that right and they wasn't expecting it when the tournament started and it was just few minutes after takeoff the, the wind shifted the water the current was going one way the wind's coming another way and it created those waves and right. it capsized a few boats right so the tennessee river the coosa you got anything else you those got? are my two spots uh alatoona I'm, I, I hope to start fishing catfishing a little bit more this year uh the lake record was was uh held by my buddy jake herman he and i actually fished tennessee river a few times each year we go up into tennessee on lake nickajack uh that's one of jake's favorite spots but he held the uh, alatoona record for the last several years and his uh it was a blue cat and it was i can't remember the exact weight but it was i want to say 44 pounds uh so alatoona's got it's it's small fish so it's about a 42 pound fish is not small by any means right, but right. for standards compared to tennessee river so it's a, it's a small fishery uh, so Jake had that that record for a while, and or, uh, I can't remember if it was the end of the the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021. That lake record was broke uh, by some guy that was in a uh, chartered boat. 
So he he paid to go out and do some striper fishing, ended up catching a record catfish. Right, right. And then uh, I want to say it was about two weeks to the day or a week to the day. It was shortly thereafter. Aaron Churchwell, he's a big time tournament cat fisherman. Uh, Aaron Churchwell also has a flat, I want to say the flathead record for the Etowah River, which feeds into Lake Weiss up around Rome. Like uh, Aaron Churchwell has the the Coosa uh, catfish record. Well, he broke Jake's record and the other guy's record on Alatoona with a, I want to say it was a 52 pounder. I don't remember the exact weight right now, but it was 50 or 52, 50.2, 50. something like that. So he broke it just a few weeks after it was broken. So uh, Aaron now has both of those and uh, both of those records. And again, he's a he's a big time tournament fisherman. He lives over around Rome, Georgia, somewhere. Right. Okay. You have you hit any tournaments? Crap, crappy or uh, catfish? I fished in a couple of small tournaments, but that's not my thing. Just. I don't know. I'm very competitive. And uh, when I start getting serious, it takes the fun out of it for me. Right. Right. And uh, and then, it's t- you know, if I'm getting frustrated or something, I got my kids with me, fishing with me, you know, it takes the fun out for me. It takes fun out for them. So I just, I do it for fun, and it just seemed to be a little bit more enjoyable for me. Right, right. So talk a little bit about that. You said you went from squirrel hunting to the fishing mm-hmm. for your boy. Yep. Talk, talk about your boy fishing. Oh man! Uh, every every weekend I go, if they're if I go, they're with me unless I go during the week. So my kids are always with me, like you know, talking about catching my forty six pounder or you know some of those big ones when I was with David or going with my my buddy Jake. Uh, those fish I've caught with them, you know, we've done that on on nights that I didn't have my kids. If I got my kids, they're they're with me, and uh, if they're with me and they don't want to go fishing, and nobody goes fishing, I spend spend that time with them so um my youngest son carter right now he's got the biggest hybrid that we call actually crappy fishing and his was a little over three pounds so he's got the uh the crappy record from or the uh striper record from my boat uh my oldest boy sonny he's got the crappy record he on my boat he's got a crappy at 1.87 pounds um course the catfish i the big ones i called out of my were in another buddy's boat when we were fishing but in my in my boat my mom got the record on the catfish and that was that 20 pound 20 pounder 20 pound blue on a kusa uh but i've had my daughter with me had my wife with me we've all right caught fish got pictures of fish that's 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 what it's all about man how how old's your mom if you don't mind saying huh how old is your mom my mom was born in 58 so uh she's what 60 She'll be 63 this year. How, how long a fight she had with it? Uh, it was probably five or six minutes. Five or six minutes. I got a picture. That picture's priceless. Right. Seeing Absolutely. her holding that fish, the smile on her face. Absolutely. It's priceless. Absolutely. Have that memory with her. And it was on her birthday. I took her for her birthday. Right. Yep. Good deal. So, what, what river was that on? That was on the Coosa River. Coosa. That was on Lake Neely Henry over in uh, Gaston, right. Alabama. Okay. Well, break your gear down. Like you right. did your crappy gear. So catfishing is a little bit different for me. Uh, you know, a lot of people, honestly, you can catch catfish on anything. I've caught small catfish on the Zebcos. I've caught catfish on spinning reel while bass fishing. Caught them on a bait caster. Uh, I've seen people bank fishing with just a $20 combo off the shelf. And I've seen them fishing with $300 rods and $300 reels. Uh 
I've seen them fishing with 10 pound test line up to 100 pound test. You know, it, it's a pre, it's, it comes down to a preference. Uh, my preference is there's a couple different companies that make great rods. I started out with Big Cat Fever rods. I started with the Big Cat Fever just because a buddy I was fishing with, that's what he used. And I like they, have, they make white rods, they make black rods. I like the white because you can see them a little bit better at night. And uh, so I bought some of those. And uh, after catching that 46-pounder, I, I had a medium heavy rod or a medium action rod. I said, I want something a little bit bigger. Well, uh, I started looking and looking, and there's a company called Slime Cat. I don't know exactly where they're from. They're here in the U.S. But all these rods, I don't talk much about the rods as far as, you know, where they come from because almost every rod blank comes from China. Just you got companies here having shipped over to their specifications and colors. Um, and that's why I guess I don't dedicate my, my crappy fishing so much to rods. Right. But cat fishing to me is a little bit different. Um, but, you know, these slime cats, they're, they're green. They glow in the dark a little bit, and they're just – they're bad. They? When you look at them, they're, they're just – they're bad looking. Right. They're very sharp looking rods. And, I, and honestly, that's what got me on those. I, I saw, like, the Aaron Churchwell guy I mentioned, uh, a guy named Cody Haynes. They call him the Coosa Kid. He's, he, he's called a 100-pounder over on the Coosa River in Neely Henry. Um, but just the – the backbone those rods have I, I saw testing i saw youtube videos those two guys were using them i trust their their opinions big time um so when seeing them using them i was thinking about a different rod well i didn't like the heavy action i like more the medium heavy because the heavy has too too tough of a tip you know it tips real solid so you're trolling or doing whatever sometimes a catfish hits it takes down feels the pressure spit the bait out I was like, I don't want something quite that heavy. So Slime Cat came out with what they call an extra medium heavy. So it's a heavy backbone, but it's a medium heavy tip. So it's got that flexibility, but got the power to, to pull those big fish up. So I finally made up my mind and I bought those uh, Slime Cats. And those are, like I said, they're great looking rods. They will, they will pull them in. Uh, so I got six of those. My catfish, I have six rods. Uh, I have um, Abu Garcia catfish reels. I have the catfish special. I have a couple of those. I actually have a slime cat rod or slime cat reel. Same thing as Abu Garcia. It's just their brand that's made in China instead of Sweden. <coughs> and... Uh, I have, those are the 7,000 series, which is has a larger spool. And then I have three more of the regular Abu Garcia 6,500s. It has a smaller spool, but it's the same exact setup. The button's in the same spot. just holds a little bit less line. So that's my rod and reel setup. As far as line goes, I use 40-pound test. And uh, the uh, Big Cat Fever rods I was talking about that I like to use, well, they got a line called slime line that is an excellent line it has a lot of stretch uh, you get hung up with 40 pound tests you better have some muscle to to pull it loose break right. it off it, it takes a lot um, but slime cat or uh slime lines it's a little expensive so i don't use it as much as i used to starting out just because of pricing because i found that the offshore angler line made by cabela's is a lot cheaper and it has the the stretch that slime line has 
and I found it to be just as good. So I, I like the uh, offshore angler now, but if I have the extra money when I'm looking for line, I'll order the slime line. It, it is really good. Um, so that's my line set up. Uh, the weights, the the sinkers, there's there's hundreds of styles of sinkers, it seems like. You go online, it's overwhelming. The two that I found that I like the best is a flat bank sinker and what they call a no-roll sinker. Uh, one's kind of oval-shaped. The other one is kind of rectangular-ish. Um, one, you can slide your line right through it, tie it on, use it kind of like a Carolina rig. The other one, you actually have to tie a slide on. I mean, you, you can tie it on your line, it just is, it's going to eventually break by, by slinging it that way, but you get a, a sinker slide and put it on your line, and you can put, I think it's up to a 12-ounce sinker on those. Um, and then the hooks, and this is, this is the most important part to me, the hook. I've used several different hooks, and uh, I like the offset circle hook. I've used different brands of that offset circle hook, and there's only one to me that stands out. Everybody will say, oh, this one stands out, that one stands out, but, you know, it, again, it comes down to what you have faith in. There's a guy over in Louisiana. His name is Dale Dunaway. He's got a website called Dale's Tackle, dalestackle.com. Dale's just a good old country boy like you and me. I got his cell phone number. I've called him when I, hey, I need this, need that, do you have blah, blah, blah. He answers or he'll text me and say, hey, man, I can't talk right now. He'll call me back when he's done. He's that type of guy. And uh, he's got his own brand, Circle Hooks. And I get no sponsorship from Dale. I get no sponsorship from Slimecat. I get no sponsorship from Red Rooster Baits. I get no sponsorship from Slimeline or Cabela's. <clears throat> the stuff I'm telling y'all is the stuff I use because I found that it works. I want other people to catch fish right, like I do. Right. So Dale's Tackle just damn up guy. You order something, minus shipping issues you have sometimes with just a staff shortage everywhere. You know, it's usually there. I order from Louisiana usually in, in, on the third day. If I order on Monday, it's here on Thursday. Right, right. You know, three business days, it, it's there. Fast shipping, friendly service. Uh, but Dale's, from what I found just shopping around, I heard people talk about him, talk about him. His prices are, are cheaper than anybody else I've found. But the quality is there. His products are top notch. So I buy my circle hooks from him. When I'm fishing for big fish, I use a 10 alt or 12 alt. If I'm on the Tennessee River, I have a 12 alt hook on, period. Nothing else. If I'm on the Coosa, I'll downsize to a 10, sometimes a little bit smaller, uh, just because I haven't caught that 100 pounder yet. You know, the 30s and 40s, a 12 alt, alt well, you can catch them all day long, but I just downsize because I, I catch some smaller fish. Uh, but I buy my. My sinkers from, or some of my sinkers from him I make, but I got a buddy I mentioned earlier, Jake Herman. Jake's got several molds, and um, Jake has made several. I bought some from him. Also had, went to a local tire shop and said, hey, what are y'all going to do with your, your weights you're throwing away from the old tires? Oh, we just throwing them away. I said, you mind if I have some? So they put a bucket to the side, filled a bucket up, and I gave it to Jake, and Jake, really? you know, Jake made me, we split it. He's like, I said, man, you, you make them, I'll give you half the weights, and I'll keep half of them, you know, so... Uh, so I got the weights for free and ended up getting probably, I don't know, 7,500 bucks worth of 
worth of weights. There you go. Uh, and so Jake said, what ounces you want? So uh, he took care of me on that, made them up. Um, but if I don't get Jake to make my weights, then I buy them from Dale's. I buy the sinker slides. I buy, I buy the swivels. I use a 100-pound leader. I talked about using 40-pound tests. But I use either 80 or 100-pound leader just depending on what's in stock. I, I feel comfortable with either one. <clears throat> haven't had a problem with either one. I haven't had anything break either one. Right. Um, so you catch a 40, 50, 60-pound fish on that 40-pound line. You have your drag set right. You're patient. It's not going to break it. Right, right. Assuming you got a good knot tied to right. Um, so I buy all my terminal tackle from Dale's tackle and all you need again, uh, the way I like to do mine, I have, uh, I have my main line, my 40 pound leader, uh, my main line coming down to a swivel and on that main line, I'll put my sinker slide on it and then I'll put a little bead and then that way, whenever I put my weight on my sinker slide, when it slides down and hits the knot, that bead's hitting the knot, not the sinker slide with all the pressure on that weight. So it's not tearing my knot up. And then on the other end of that swivel, I'll put my 80 or 100 pound leader on it, and then I'll do a snail knot on my hook. And uh, sometimes I'll use a float, like a or just a regular two and a half, three inch, what we call, I call them corks growing up in Alabama, but some people here call them floats or bobbers. Yeah, right. Just a regular right. cork bobber. And there are different ones you can buy, but I, I just, I don't see the need in spending five or six dollars on a single cork so I, I just buy the cheap cigar corks put it on it's worked fine for me right so we're not you, you're not fishing the bottom then right <clears throat> well i'm fishing the bottom because when i put that weight on there and the weight it depends on the current because i want it on the bottom right so let's say i'm in the tennessee river and they got the floodgates open and that current's pushing if i cast out my bait with a, a two ounce sinker that current's going to pick that bait up, and it's just going to float around. Okay. Well, I want the bait to float some. I don't want it just sitting on the bottom. Uh, but I want my, my weight to hold my bait in place. So if let's say I got a two-foot leader. I want my weight on the bottom, and I want my boat my bait floating up no more than that two feet. So i got to use a heavy enough weight to keep my bait down. Right, okay. So, and what that bobber does is, if you're in an area that doesn't have any current, your bait is just going to lay on the bottom. Mm -hmm. So that bobber helps float it up a Bounce little bit. Bounce it up yep. okay. Or if you're trolling, you know, people will troll for catfish just like you do for crappie. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, when you're trolling, same thing. If you're going over stumps and stuff, let's say you hit a, a stump. Well, that cork may hit it, and it may bounce the cork up. Well, the cork then helps bring your bait up to keep you from getting stuck. There you go. There you go. So, but to do that, a lot of people, some people call it drifting. They'll just drift with the weights or the, the bait straight down off the bottom. Some use planer boards where they'll pull it, and the, uh, the bait's out to the side. You'll got some to the side, some straight behind you. You can let the bait out as far as you want with those planer boards. They'll pull it straight behind you, but to the side, depending on how much slack you let out with it. And then when you do start doing that, and of course you want to use a lighter weight, but when you're when you're trolling and, and pulling baits, but there you go. So so are if you're not trolling, you're fishing holes, you're fishing the channel, side of the channel. What what you fishing? Yeah, well, what I do having a depth finder. Excuse me. I'll I'll scan for fish. You know I'll do that, and it depends on the time I have too. I'll scan for fish. I see big fish. I'll set up and I'll cast towards them and 
see if I can get a bite. I've not gotten into the trolling part on catfishing that much yet. That part's still new to me. I do more of the sitting up style. I throw the anchor out and I set up and wait for them. Right. Or I'll pull the anchor in. I'll just let the uh, bait down to the bottom, reel it up a foot or two off the bottom, and then I'll just pull the anchor and let the boat drift. Those are the two ways I've kind of done so far. I did get some planer boards recently, so I will be pulling them in the very near future. Um, But it just depends on the style you want to do and uh, to whatnot, to how you actually do those baits on the bottom or or pulling or whatnot. Can you get all that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Do not make Philip have to recap his catfishing like he had to do to you with his crappy fishing. Do you understand? Yeah. You sure? Yep. He don't look too convincing over there, Cornbread. Well, he knows I can outfish him regardless of who tells us what. (laughs) He knows I can outfish him. So he's he's thinking in his head something he can say to make himself sound like a better fisher than me is what he's doing. Yeah, I can't come up with nothing. (laughs) Drawing blanks like you draw fish. (laughs) Dang. Philip, on you, son. Oh, uh, so you catfishing at night? Uh, not necessarily. No. Okay. Um, the forty-six uh, pounder I caught was probably nine o'clock in the morning. Right. Uh, twenty pounders, seventeen pounders. Caught them in the morning. I've caught some in the evening. Yeah, absolutely. I caught some overnight. My bigger fish. You know, everybody talks about catfishing at night. Right. My bigger fish have come during the day. Shoot, child. Now That's- midday midday stinks it's terrible to, right. for me right. some people may have a better better look but for me i say really uh 5 a.m to maybe 11 a.m right that's that's when the magic has happened so to speak for me what's the general reason for you said you start you fire your catfishing up in may what's your general reason for well, that's pre-spawn. That's when they okay. start feeding up. They right. start feeding May and June. They're feeding. Right. They're getting ready to spawn. Okay. So. Uh, and that's pretty much all over the southeast. You, you that's my understanding. Yes. Okay. Now, right. I may not be one hundred percent correct on that. But that's my understanding. Okay. But right. the crappy. Once the crappy spawn in April, they go back deeper. Right. They go to structure. They go under docks and stuff. I haven't figured that aspect out yet. Now right. it may come a day where. I figure out how to really dock fish, how to shoot docks, how to uh, set up on a brush pile and fish. If I figure that out and I say, hey, I like this a little better, you know, it may come that day where that's all I do because right. crappy fishing is fun, but, and it's less work than cat, catfishing a lot of work. Don't let right. anybody fool you and tell you it's not. It is. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, throwing the anchor, reeling the anchor, you, ca- you catch a big fish and you're trying to pull the anchor up, now the anchor stuck in rocks and stuff and having right. to go try to catch live bait or cut bait, whatever you're going to do, um, it's it's a lot of work. And that, that boat you got, you, you're happy with how it does for both catfishing and crappy? Uh, the boat I bought was, was set up for bass fishing and crappy fishing, so to speak. I've turned it into a catfish boat. Right. Uh, it's not the ideal boat for a catfish boat, and eventually when I upgrade, I'll get something that's a little more uh, – more custom for catfishing and crappy because those are two things I like, not so much for bass fishing. Right. But, man, you can take a John boat out there and right. do it. The biggest thing is just getting on the water. You're not going to catch fish if you're not on the water. Right. So any type of boat you have, you can turn it into the type of fishing you want right. to do. Good deal. 
Well, that sounds like, man, that you got a good stress reliever, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, very informative. Very informative. But not surprising to me at all because from when I knew you from police and you, Philip is a man of wanting to know knowledge. I'd seen you study and seen you talk and heard you ask questions. And so it's not surprising to me at all. And I don't mean <clears throat> to put you on the spot. No. But fishing is your stress relief. We know everybody that's listening, me and Cooney know, you know how tough your job is. Let's talk a little bit about when you go to the Lord, your faith. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps you. It does. Talk it does. That. It's crazy. You know, we, we talk about that. And, um, you know, I haven't been going to church that much since COVID has hit. Honestly, I haven't gone at all since COVID has hit. But I took my preacher fishing with me a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we just needed to get out and have some time together and chat and uh we caught over 80 crappy. I actually lost count. That's the best day I had in the boat fishing with my preacher. Right, um, right. And uh, honestly, I hadn't gone back fishing since mine and his day because part of me is like, you're not going to beat that day. Don't, don't even go out and try, you know. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Uh, but I got saved, Corn. Uh, I got saved when I was 13, 12 or 13. I really don't remember the day, but I was in the Royal Rangers program at uh, the First Assembly of God Church in Atmore, Alabama. You know, growing up as a teenager, doing stupid stuff, you know, you get off track, whatnot. And uh, I want to say it was in 2012, you know, I said, it's, it's enough of this. And I was at First Baptist Church in Moreland, and I rededicated my life to the Lord. And uh, after that, I kind of, you know, I was doing right for a long time, and then you get off and... Uh, you know, I got divorced and uh, from my first wife, and I just I, honestly, I, just, I got off track and I was drinking a little bit. And, you know, I heard your story about drinking and you know how you came to the Lord, and uh, I just I, I don't know. I just I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. My heart, I knew my faith was there, but I was like, Lord, I just I don't want to be there. You know, and I just I pushed myself away. Then I'd come back. I push myself away and I come back. And what got me all these years, and it, it took a long time for me to admit, and you know, it you know, you, you talked about you having the alcoholism and I had a sex addiction. And that was my problem. I, you know, I couldn't leave women alone. And that's what cost me my marriage. And uh it it, it sucked, man. It, it it got me down to the lowest you can get for a human being, I believe. And, uh, you know, it, it caused, like I said, it caused my divorce and getting my kids every other weekend, man, I, I was low. I was low. And um, I just, I finally one day hit my knees and it's like, Lord, God, do something. I can't keep living like this. I can't. And uh, I had a scripture tattooed on my arm that, I, you know, it meant a lot to me whenever I was going through things and i'd i'd read it and i'm all right all right you know and it's uh colossians 117 and it says he is before all things and in him all things hold together and i was like lord you got to hold me together you got it and he's like you got to put me first you got to put me first it's like lord you got to hold me together you know right, right and uh and then the other one i had tattooed on me was first corinthians 10 13 and it says, you'll be tempted 
or man will be tempted, but not more than, than what is normal. But if you are tempted, he, being God, will show you a way out. And that hit me hard. And that's when I was working on my, my marriage. Right. Those two hit me, and I was like, I, I got to do this. And, I mean, they meant that much to me. I, you know, like I said, I tattooed them on my arm. And uh, finally, just like I said, that one day, I won't say it was 2013, finally, it was like, my faith was was restored right right and good lord's like you got this right pretty much it was in your heart it was it, yeah it was yeah. in my heart yeah and uh go back to 2012 i met this girl and i i told my mama i met her we dated for about two months i told my mama i said this girl's gonna be my wife I said but it's not gonna be now because i knew she was a girl i was gonna marry and uh, so I broke up with her, knowing, hey, it may not happen, but if it works out where I can get myself right, I'm going to be married to this girl. And uh, 2012 went on. We stayed in communication a little bit and uh, kept a friendship. She was in Dallas. I was in Noonan. And uh, I kept working on me. Again, 2013 rolled around. Finally, you know, <laughs> the moment I've been waiting for, you know, God, I've been struggling with this addiction. You know, I can't describe it, man, what, how I felt, but I, the, the emotions that would come over me whenever, you know, a woman start flirting is like, I got to have that. I got to have, if I knew right. that they were flirting, I mean, it, I don't know what it's like being on drugs. I've never done anything other than try marijuana when I was a kid. But it 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 controlled me. It right. controlled every thought, every moment, every everything about me. It controlled, made me right. make some bad decisions. Um, to the point, I mean, like I said, I lost my family, lost my wife, uh, even my job. Lost a job over over women. You know, it was bad. Uh, just couldn't walk away. Couldn't say no. Right. And I never thought. I was going to overcome that. I was like, Lord, you know, I've been lost everything. You know, how can, how can I, how can Philip move forward? How can Philip be a daddy to his kids? How can Philip go back to being the man he needs to be? How, how, how can I? And it was like, boy, you can't. Right. You can't do it. I can. You can't without me. You know, right? You rely on me, I will get you through this, right? And in two thousand, I can't, I can't tell you the the day it was. I can't, I just, I remember it being two thousand and thirteen, and uh, the girls I was talking to just started. I didn't want to see them anymore, right? And it just slowly, I I pushed them away and pushed them away, and then uh, finally one day, I was texting who my wife is now, Miranda. And uh, I was texting her. And I was like, you know, I'm ready. You know, you gonna give me a chance. Well, at this point, uh, she was in a relationship. She was like, I'm in a relationship. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. She said, you just, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Right. And what I didn't know at the time was God was teaching me to be patient. If you really want this, you're going to wait. Right. And uh, things went along, went along. And then, uh, I want to say it was in March. 
March. It was either in the March, first of April, or no, it was first of March. Miranda, uh, I sent her a text, asked her how she was doing. She was having a bad day because there was actually ended up being a breakup. And you know, of course, I told her I was sorry to hear it, blah blah blah. But inside, I was like. I've been waiting. I've been patient. I, right. I'm going to be there for her now. This is what I've been wanting. This is what I've been waiting for. And uh, and uh, I want to say it was April of that year. I moved from Noonan to Dallas to be with her. We got engaged a, a month later. You know, I knew she was the one. I told my mom two years ago, this lady is the one. And uh, I'm going to marry her. I asked her to marry me later that month in April on the day before Easter. Easter was on a Sunday. I asked her on that Saturday to marry, her. marry me. She said, yeah, we got married in July and uh, we'll be celebrating seven years, July the 11th of this Congratulations, year. Congratulations. Thank man. you. So I couldn't do it. It was a good Lord. I get, you know, I thank God every day, every night when I go to bed, I hug Miranda and I pray while I'm holding her. And my biggest prayers are my thanks. It's not so much of prayers, it's thanks. Where I'm thanking the Lord <coughs> for her. Because I was I was dirty to my ex-wife. My ex-wife and I had a great friendship. Had a great relationship. I wasn't ugly to her. I didn't cuss her. I didn't hit her. I, but I had a cheating problem because I had a sex addiction. And minus that, I was good to her. I was good to my kids. But treating her the way that I did, I never thought I would ever have another woman to be as good to me as my first one or better you know i never thought i would be blessed to have a second spouse a great spouse you right, know right and it was almost like god said you know we have a saying as an old country boy you know some of them say hold my beer hold my water it's almost right. like god said hold my drink son i got this you right, know right and that's what i did i held it and he showed out right. and uh you know you gave it to him. I, I did. I gave it you, to him, yeah. and, and he said, this is what you get in return. Right. And uh, my life was good. Uh, I thought it was good. Again, I had a great wife, had two kids. We, we bought our first house at 18 years old. We had vehicles, had hunting property. I, I had everything a, a man could really want. I also had something a man didn't want, and that was an addiction. Right, right. And... Uh, that addiction cost me everything. And so when I was faithful and God rewarded me with even more than what I had before, I, I can't tell you the blessing it's been to me. The, uh, the faith that I have, people sometimes say, man, how, how do you have faith? You know, you see this, that, and other being alone for, if you see all the bad, how can you have faith? I can't explain it. I just know he's God. He's real. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose again. He's Amen. up in heaven. He's coming back for me one day. Amen. That's all I can say. I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I know that there's been too much good to happen to me for me not to believe. There's just, there's just too much unexplainable things for me to not believe in Christ. And uh, I'm just I'm blessed, man. I have uh, I have three wonderful kids. Have. A wife that is absolutely amazing. I couldn't ask for a better wife. Supportive. Uh, you know, I've been through a lot in law enforcement. Uh, been through an officer-involved shooting. I've had uh, seen dead people. I've seen drugs. I've seen people overdose. I've seen I've had to do CPR on people. I, I've seen it. I've done it. 
And no matter what, no matter how bad my day is, I come home, she's right there. You know, she is my rock. I, I actually call her my angel. Right. I do. I literally I call her my angel. When I kiss her goodbye every morning, I say, bye, my angel. Have a good day, you know. Right. Because she truly, in so many ways, has saved me. You know, good Lord used her, and he used her to save me. Because right. I, I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for my faith in the Lord and him putting Miranda in my life. What a blessing, man. So what a blessing. I'm thankful. You know, I, I thank you for coming on here and talking with us, Philip, about your police and about your fishing. But even more so, I thank you for that, your, oh, you your testimony. Uh, very powerful to, you know, it's helped me with my addiction to get it out. Mm-hmm. That's going to help some people, man. Yeah. That I mean, and all through the Lord, glory to the Lord, victory to the Lord. Absolutely. Point, point blank. Absolutely. That uh, you're a good man. Well, and I mean it when I say I, I see the humbleness and the tenderheartedness in it. You know, we macho police, yeah. we don't want to hear we're tenderhearted, but you're a good man. And well, I'm you, grateful, uh, not trying to kiss your tail, but I'm grateful for police like you out here. Well, thank you. Watching watching my knuckleheaded boy yeah. <laughs> drive through Dallas and, you know, pr- protecting all of us, my family, and all over the country, yeah. everybody. Well, thank you. I truly love what I do, man. I, I've been doing it since I was 19, like I said, and I got out for a couple of years. Or And even when I had all my days off, you know, when I had different schedules, I've done landscaping, I've done sales. I've been on bobcats and forklifts, and there's just there's nothing else like it. You know, it doesn't matter whether I'm, I'm riding around taking a theft report, working an accident, you know, I'm helping somebody in some type of way. Right. You know, and when I really feel like I'm helping somebody, I get just a, a great joy out of it. I hate that they're having a bad time, but that I can actually be there and help them and guide them. Uh, I truly get a blessing out of that. And, and that's how I feel like the Lord uses me in this work is to, to bless other people. And I know that he's using me correctly by the little things like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, just a simple thing is somebody buying my lunch. Somebody comes saying, I'm praying for you. Right. Those little things let me know that what I'm doing is making a difference. And that's right. all I, I want to know it makes a difference in that's somebody's right. life. Well, you, you're doing it, brother. You, well, I appreciate it. You're damn good at it. Well, thank you, sir. Cody, you got anything to say? Can you catch a fish? Can you go catch a crappie? Or can you go catch a catfish? Can you skin now? a buck or run a trout line? Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. Can can you do any of that? Can yeah. you grow? Now he got his tail whooped in a tomato growing contest last year. He can tell you what he wants. So that part we can grow good old tomatoes. X that off the thing. No, okay. he no, uh, he that that ain't how it happened. He done got his tail whooped. Nah. All right, you good on this catfishing and this crappy fishing? Yeah. I got. <laughs> you only got to say one more thing before we go, Phil. Roll tide, baby. Roll tide. Nah. All right, y'all go dogs. We'll holler at you. Deuces. <laughs>